Hey there, educational rock stars. Are you feeling overwhelmed with lesson planning for your English language learners? Well, I've got some exciting news for you. Introducing our upcoming free webinar, Simplify Your Approach, Three Time-Saving Routines for ELL Success. Join me for a power-packed 45 minutes that's set to revolutionize your teaching strategy. In this webinar, we'll dive into three practical, easy-to-implement routines that will not only enhance your ELL teaching methods, but also save you hours of planning time. Yes, hours. So whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, these insights are tailored to help everyone make the most of their teaching time. Plus, you'll leave this webinar ready to implement these routines the next day. So mark your calendars for our two upcoming dates. I don't want you to miss this opportunity to transform your ELL lesson planning. To reserve your spot, simply sign up at www.equippingells.com slash routines. Trust me, your future self will thank you for it. I'll see you at the webinar. Teaching ELL students is a privilege and a joy. Is it easy? No way. But with the right support, you can feel empowered to tackle each day with ease and confidence. I'm your host, Beth Boucher, founder of Inspiring Young Learners. With over 10 years of teaching both nationally and internationally, I know what it takes to ensure that your ELL students have what they need to thrive today, tomorrow, and for life. I'm on a mission to empower you to equip your English language learners. Welcome to Equipping ELLs. Let's get to today's episode. Welcome, Rachel, to the show. I'm so excited that you're here today. Thanks for having me, Beth. Yeah, I have a podcast of my own, but I'm rarely on the other side. So it's kind of fun to be a guest. (laughs) Yes. Well, we are thrilled that you're here. And Rachel and I met at the Teachers Pay Teachers Conference many years ago, it feels like Mm -hmm. now. And we are actually neighbors here in Central America. Rachel's in Costa Rica at a beautiful beach area, and I'm in Panama City. So hopefully one day we'll get to visit each other since we're so close. I know. But... <laughs> I can't believe I haven't been to Panama yet. It's so close. <laughs> one, one day we'll make it happen. You know, there's two years that travel wasn't as, as popular. True. So <laughs> we'll make up for that now. Well, Rachel, I'm so thrilled that you're here and can't wait for you to share your expertise. Why don't you just share a little bit about who you are and your experience in the school? Yes. So I'll start by saying that I'm from Georgia because I feel like I start talking and I'll start with like the California part of my story and everyone hears my accent and they're like, but where are you really from? So I'm from Georgia and I did my undergrad in psychology at Georgia College and State University. And then I moved to San Diego, mainly for the beach, but also for grad school. (laughs) And that's where I got my master's in school counseling. And while I was working on my master's program, I was also working. So I did a variety of things, but I worked with adults with developmental disabilities as a resource counselor and then at an academic consulting company. So those experiences were cool and had me working with both like private and public schools. And then after graduating, I got my dream job as an elementary school counselor at public schools in San Diego. So that was great. And I just loved it so, so much. And then after a few years there, my husband and I decided we're going to like 
quit our jobs and sell everything and travel for a couple of years. <laughs> the dream, the dream. <laughs> yeah. So, which was awesome. Um, so we did that and that's kind of how we ended up in Costa Rica after coming through here a few times. We really loved the area. And then I saw that an international school was hiring a school counselor. So I applied and then ended up working there. And now I am staying home. I have a toddler and another one on the way. (laughs) Congrats. That's so wonderful. What a great story. I love it. Well, I asked Rachel to be on the show because this, the series that we're working on right now is called Breaking Down the Silos. And My heart is really for our listeners. Most of you guys are ESL teachers or support ESL students. And sometimes we have these silos built around that we just don't always get the expertise in other areas. And so Rachel, as a school counselor, it brings so much expertise into social emotional learning, how we can best support the emotional needs of our students in small groups, in the classroom, in whatever way that we can. And this is such a priority right now, even more so than ever before. And so I can't wait to hear what Rachel has to share with us. So why don't you start with just briefly sharing the importance of why we need to prioritize this right now? Yes. So, I mean, like you were saying, now more than ever, I think everyone knows that kids are more anxious than ever before, are having more social skills issues than ever before, you know, after learning virtually for so long and just being in a pandemic. As adults, I know we are all struggling to cope sometimes. So you have to imagine how that is for the little guys. But also if we just focus on SEL in general, so you may be familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So that's referring to the different levels of needs that a child has. And the fundamental level is that physiological one where your basic needs are being met. So we need to make sure everyone has that before they can go any further. And then the next level up is love, belonging, and esteem. So I think that's kind of where the SEL piece comes in and the counseling piece. And before we can expect our students to thrive academically or do well in the school setting, we need to make sure that they're getting their social emotional needs met as well. So for teachers, I know a lot of times you're so busy and you're like, I don't have time to teach like a little SEL block, but it'll really make the other stuff easier, I believe, because the kids will be able to learn better if their social emotional needs are being met. And then the second reason I think SEL is so important right now is because I, as a school counselor, I believe the role of the school counselor is so important and we love going in and doing those class lessons. But unfortunately, with like large caseload sizes and we're seeing groups and individuals, we can only get into the classrooms like maybe once or twice a month. So it's kind of nice to extend our reach. Like if we can teach teachers, hey, here's some strategies for SEL that you can do. And then you guys can teach your students. And I feel like that's more effective, too, because a lot of times I don't know the students on a personal level if they're only seeing me, you know, once a month. So you guys have that relationship. So then, you know, I think it'll stick better when you try to teach them some of those social emotional skills. Yes, that is so true. And I think too, you know, hitting on that point of our students need to have those needs met before they can even go on to the learning part. And I talk about that a lot when we're working with newcomer students who don't know English, you know, our first step is to build that relationship, build the trust because you know, you live in a Spanish speaking country. I do as well. And until you feel comfortable, you're not going to speak until you feel safe and that you're not going to be made fun of. And, you know, you're not going to be vulnerable. And there's a lot of vulnerability that comes with learning a new language. And so I think even with, you know, just working with our ESL students, that even more important to really focus on that social emotional learning and building that first before we can get to the academics is so crucial. Hey teachers, I'm interrupting this episode to ask you a quick question. 
How different would your life be if you could confidently plan effective and engaging lessons for your yellow students in a fraction of the time? I created my membership equipping ELLs to do just that. When you join, you gain instant access to the exact resources you need, proven and prepped for you, plus a supportive private community of like-minded educators. Join us today at www.equippingells.com. Now back to the episode. So let's get into some tips because like you said, a lot of teachers know the importance and, you know, they would love to make this a priority, but when they're feeling so stretched in so many different ways, they just aren't sure how to make that a reality and and how to do that in kind of quick and easy ways that really make a big impact. So why don't you share some tips on how they can incorporate this into their everyday classroom or their language lessons? Yes. So I was thinking of a few, like you said, that are easy to implement and accessible and these kind of build on each other. So the first step is what I like to call a feelings check or a circle chat. So just have the kids all sit down in a circle. And this is something you would start off by maybe doing a little lesson on identifying feelings and emotions. So, you know, you can put up a visual and I know the visual aid and the modeling is really important, especially with the little guys or the ELL students. So have some posters, you know, and then you can talk about like, which faces represent different emotions and, you know, get into details like, oh, well, their eyebrows are hunched down. So what do you think that means? Or let's look at their mouth or let's look at their eyes or their hands. So just getting kids really familiar with identifying feelings and that emotional recognition. And then once you kind of do an intro lesson on that, you can maybe daily would be great or at least weekly do like a little circle check in, you know, maybe in like a morning time or something where everyone goes around and says how they're feeling and why. And as the teacher, you can model this, you know, so, oh, today I'm feeling frustrated because our internet went out when we're trying to record our podcast. (laughs) True story. (laughs) Yeah. But I always encourage the uh, counselors and teachers to be transparent. Like, don't Mm -hmm. always say, I'm happy because of this, because Mm -hmm. you're giving the kids like permission to not be happy, you know, or to share those more vulnerable emotions. And like I said, the visual aids go a long way. So I think that feelings check is something easy that you can do. You don't even need, I mean, maybe one little poster or something, but you don't even really need anything. You can also do if classroom management's a struggle, like a talking piece and you pass it around and only the person who has the piece is, you know, able to share at that time. And then the second strategy I was thinking is a calm down corner. So I know a lot of teachers might already have these, but, and it can be simple. I know there's like some beautiful ones on Pinterest and stuff, but just having a few things in your classroom or like a safe space where kids can go if they're having a hard time, you know, and I know teachers, a lot of times they're like, well, they're going to take advantage of it. If there's like glitter bottles and stickers, they're just going to go play over there. And that is a concern. And I know at first there is like a little novelty, but students will learn to use it appropriately and respect the other students who are using it, you know, like, oh, look, Andrea's in the calm down corner. We need to give her some space before she can join us or something like that. And then over there, you can have some coping strategy cards or a poster again, giving the students a space to kind of identify how they're feeling and then to practice a skill and then to come back to the class. So you do want to make it kind of productive. And so they know what they're expected to do over there. Mm-hmm. That way they're kind of not just hanging out there all day. <laughs> but by giving like a step one, identify your emotions. Step two, you know, try one of these five strategies. Step three, if it worked, rejoin us. If it didn't work, let me know. 
and then mm-hmm. try to choose another one or something. That's um, great. Do you recommend addition- putting a timer in the calm down corner? Or I know I just yeah. think of some students, like you're saying, yes. might <laughs> enjoy that corner. <laughs> yes, like a little egg timer or uh-huh. timer or something. That's a great idea. And you could have that as part of like the procedures for mm-hmm. using the calm down corner. And of course, this would have to be modeled and taught at the yes. beginning. And I think, you know, we sometimes do the extreme of like, you're saying, well, they're all getting it, they're abusing it or, you know, but it's in the end, if our students are learning self-regulation and how to check in with their emotions, that's what we want, you know? So even if they're, they're going over there and they're happy, then you can have that conversation with them and say, Hey, wait, aren't you feeling great? Oh yeah, I am. Okay. I can go back now, you know? And so that's what we want them in the end is to be able to just do a quick check-in on how they're, they're feeling. Absolutely. And then I was going to say, so with this, kind of like I said, with the feelings, you can check how you would do like an introduction lesson on feelings recognition, and then you would integrate that into your daily routine. With the Calm Down Corner, you can do the same. So you can start with a coping skills lesson. So just going over some basic coping skills, because sometimes we think things like taking deep breaths or getting a drink of water or counting to 10 come naturally. I know for me, I feel like I'm just repeating this stuff every day, but to our kids, especially our newcomers, maybe they've never heard of these things or aren't familiar with this. So we want to discuss these and you can make it fun. Like I like to do a role play or charades. So you can have the kids like draw a different coping strategy out of a hat and then they have to act it out. So they would act out taking deep breaths and then the other kids can guess. So, and this, it's so important to teach coping strategies when the kids don't need them, if that makes sense. So when the kids are kind of in like a calm, happy space, that's the time to teach them. So that way, when they're not, you know, in that regulated space, then they can go back and choose one. Because when we're in that dysregulated space, it's really hard to remember <laughs> the coping strategies. <laughs> yes. And they're not listening to what you're trying to do. Exactly. That exactly. <laughs> that's a good, so, that's a great point. So that's something you could build on. So then you're going to build that with the feelings check, you know, so say, okay, how you're feeling and why and what you need to calm down. So that's kind of like, you know, building on top of that. And then lastly, my strategy is to tie all together. So this is where you can tackle different topics. So once your kids kind of have the basic understanding of identifying their emotions and identifying possible coping strategies, then you can dive deeper into emotions. So maybe one week you're like, we're just going to talk about anger this week. So who wants to share an example of a time they felt angry or what does your body look like when you feel angry? You know, maybe it's like clenched fist or your heart starts racing or you get really hot. So you could go like more in depth on that. And then you could talk about something like triggers. You know, what are things that cause you to feel angry? And then you could do the same thing with anxiety or different emotions as well. That's wonderful. And I just see so many opportunities for language learning to happen, you know, as they're doing role plays as they're, and it's just, it's so rich. I love it. Great, Rachel. Those are awesome points. I love that. Now we're going to move into discussing for our students who have been through traumatic experiences. A lot of teachers now are having students enter their classrooms, enter their schools that are from war-torn countries, that are refugees, that have had very difficult journeys to arrive in the United States. And so I know a lot of teachers are struggling with how do you deal with that piece before? I mean, they're really not ready, rightfully so, to be focusing on learning English yet when they've gone through so much at young ages. So how can teachers help support those students? What would you recommend? 
are some tips for that? Yes. So I love what you said. Like the teachers are realizing they're not ready. We, you know, need to support them. So I just wanted to, you know, remind everyone to have grace and patience because I cannot even imagine what that would be like. And just to remember how the brain works. So this is something that you could even like discuss with the student if it's, you know, age appropriate and you think they'll kind of understand. But I've even done this with elementary students. But discussing how your brain, you know, you have the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex. And so you could call it like the worry brain and then like the learning brain or however you want to word it based, you know, on the age of the student. But the amygdala is like your fight or flight response, right? So that's when you're reacting. You're only reacting. You're not able to think or process or learn anything. So we just need to remember that we can't expect the students to learn or process when they're in that reactive state. And a lot of times they'll have like a, I'm trying, I forget what it is. It's not post-traumatic stress disorder. It's like a continued stress disorder that they see from victims of trauma where they have this, like, they stay in this alert state much longer. Like the reason we have that is so biologically we could like escape from a tiger or something, you know, back in the day and then come back to our normal life. (laughs) It's supposed to be temporary, but unfortunately for these kids who've experienced trauma, it's like an ongoing thing. So I was trying to think of some strategies because before we, you know, get them out of that reactive brain, they're not going to be able to learn academically. So I have like a four-step framework that I like to use with my students. So first, you know, these first two, you already know. So identifying the feelings and then some coping skills. So just having them being able to name a feeling or label how they're feeling is huge. And I like to remind students that healing is not linear. So it's not like it's going to get better and better every day. It's kind of like grief or trauma or these types of things, you know, take time. And I like to explain it like a roller coaster. Like some days are really easy. Some days are crazy hard. So, and that's totally fine. So just getting them comfortable with sharing how they're feeling. And then those coping skills for when they are in their worry brain or, you know, in their amygdala, how they can calm down by using, you know, deep breathing or like a guided meditation or squeezing. Like I had a student, we would tell her to imagine she had like lemons in her hands and she's squeezing them to make lemonade. Like you can get as basic as you need to, but a lot of times it requires like a physical movement for them to have that mental shift. And then the second part of the framework, so you already knew that kind of first part is a support system. So I like to ask students to identify people in their support system. So this can be someone at home, someone at school, but it's really important that they know trusted adults that they can go to when they're having, you know, when they're experiencing trauma or need help with their coping strategies. And then lastly, goal setting. So I do like to make it kind of hopeful and optimistic, like what can we look forward to going forward so they can make like really small goals, you know, and encourage them to make the goals in like all areas of their life. So maybe they make one academic goal one friendship goal and like a social goal or something like that. So even the smallest thing, and then you can kind of celebrate those wins because we want to remind them that like they're, we want to validate their trauma, but it doesn't define them as who they are. Yes. I love that so much. It's so true. And I think I love that last piece to it, that it's not, you know, keeping them in the trauma. I mean, you want to give them the time and the space that they need, but you also want to do your job and help support them and help move them into a place where they can begin to learn since that's the purpose of school. (laughs) And so finding that way to set, like you said, set those small goals in different areas and then celebrating. And that's going to help them, you know, and feel that, that roller coaster of having those high days of great, you know, celebrations, and then still seeing that the trauma is still there, the grief is still there. And that's okay. That's, that's a part of life. Mm -hmm. And if you find similar students, 
who have like similar experiences. I mean, you could maybe, you know, speak with your counselor, school psychologist, or see if they could have like a little group that could be really powerful to maybe meet once a week or something with these kids to know that they're not alone in the difficulties. Yes, that's a great point, especially with, I know a lot of times with newcomers, they kind of similarly come from the same country or same area. So even I know one teacher that's in my membership, she's been receiving a lot from Brazil. Now, Brazil is a very large country, so they might not be all from the same area, but it might help them to connect with these other students who are from their same country and have, you know, start to walk through what they've been through together, even if they are not from the same city in the same country. But yeah, sharing that experience with other kids who understand is really powerful. And I think too, when you were talking for students who are newcomers, I was just having the idea of the power of having feelings charts translated into the native language. I think that's a great way to help those students. If you know you're receiving a new newcomer from Afghanistan, having a that that chart ready with the feelings in their native language is a powerful way to just begin to really make that a part of your daily learning of talking about feelings. So awesome. Well, this was so helpful. So filled with so many great nuggets. Rachel, you have incredible resources and I know a lot of teachers want to save time and they don't want to come up with these calm down corners and feeling (laughs) charts and all these types of things. So can you share with us where they can find more of your resources and more about you so they can learn from you? Yeah. So I have a TPT store, Bright Futures Counseling. So you can find stuff there. And then I also have a membership that's for school counselors where you get, but I guess teachers could use it as well, but we provide monthly SEL resources, things to do with individuals, with groups and at the class level and kind of like guidance on how to use them. And if you just want to get to know me, I'm over on Instagram at Bright Futures Counseling. Awesome. And we will put those links in the show notes. But yeah, definitely check out. I encourage you all to check out her teacher pay teacher store because she has some really quick and easy printable activities that help the role playing help, you know, just making this a quick and easy part of your classroom and putting that in your daily routine, maybe on Mondays or Fridays, you just spend an extra 30 minutes prioritizing social emotional learning with their students this year. So thank you so much for those tips. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, I do have some um, feelings check posters that are free. Okay, great. English only. Awesome. Well, we will put that. Yeah, we'll put that link in the show notes as well so that teachers can have those right away in the classroom. Wonderful. Awesome. All right, Rachel, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for joining me in today's episode. All links and resources mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you're looking for even more support and done for you resources created specifically for the needs of ELLs, head to inspiringyounglearners.com. I'll catch you here next week. Until then, take that next step to keep equipping your ELLs.